4: Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered for Friday, September 6, 2019. Roland is off today. I'm Dr. Avis Jones Weaver. Hampton University is offering free tuition to Mahanian students displaced by Hurricane Dorian. Jay Z and the NFL plan to give money to a group who cut dreadlocks and professed all lives matter. We have the details. A former University of Arkansas charges the coach. A former University of Arkansas student charges the coach with racism and has a recorded conversation to prove it. And what's the future of African-Americans in Bitcoin technology? We'll talk to the founder of BitMari. Tamron Hall launches her new daytime talk show on Monday, and Roland caught up with her at the Essence Music Festival. Plus, Reverend Jamal Bryant talks with Roland about transitioning from Baltimore to Atlanta and AME to Baptist. Also, remember remembering songwriter LaShawn Daniels. It's time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. He's got
1: it. Whatever the miss, he's on it.
5: Whatever it is, he's-
4: said that it's partnering with the University of the Bahamas to offer a tuition-free semester, as well as room and board, at its Hampton University campus for students disabled by the storm. Students will have the option to stay at Hampton after the semester is over while paying university tuition and fees. Hampton University President William Harvey struck the agreement with Rodney Smith, president of the University of the Bahamas, who is the former administrative vice president and chief planning officer at Hampton. So joining me on the panel today is Eugene Craig, who is CEO of Eugene Craig Organization, Amicia Cross, political commentator, and Democratic strategist Lauren Victoria Burke with the National Newspaper Association. Uh. (laughs) That must be Eugene. That must be Eugene. So... Uh, ladies, what do you think about what's going on? First of all, with the Bahamian, Bahamian situation, it looks like such a huge, devastating tragedy. It's wonderful to see that University of uh, that Hampton University steps up like this to be able to lend some help. What do you think?
6: Oh, absolutely. I think that you know we've we've seen this before. HBCUs and Black organizations tend to step in in a lot of situations at the first note when other organizations aren't. And I think that this speaks volumes for the spirit of Hampton, for the spirit of HBCUs, but also for true recognition of a lot of the devastation that the Bahamas are going through right now. Mm -hmm. Um, When we look at it, we can relate in many ways to what we saw in Puerto Rico, but Puerto Rico didn't have an airport that was basically underwater. Mm -hmm. They weren't necessarily, they were able to get some supplies in a lot sooner. The Bahamas in many areas are just now getting supplies in today. So we still have people that are without power. We have people that are without food. We have people that have been without water for days at a time at this point. And I think that, you know, anything that Hampton can do, anything that, you know, we're seeing um, Tyler Perry also, you know, do a lot of work there. And we're seeing um, some of the the cruise ships also go in and help as well. There's a lot going on here, and it's an all-hands-on-deck effort. I'm hopeful that... The American government can also, you know, do its part. But as we've seen previously, we, I, I don't have a lot of strength in my wishes there. But I do believe that Hampton, Hampton deserves all the kudos. Um, I think that other HBCUs will probably jump on board as well.
4: Absolutely, and, and it would be wonderful to see this government take this tragedy <laughs> seriously. But instead, we're stuck on Sharpie Gate now for I don't know what is it two days in a row where we yeah. have this hysteria going on. When are we going to have some sanity? in terms of leadership in this nature?
7: Uh, not until Donald Trump is out of office, mm-hmm. obviously. <laughs> I mean, he's the master of distraction and distracting us into stupidity, usually. Yeah. And uh, obviously, we know the history when it comes to aid to countries uh, where people of color are, are featured. So obviously, the Puerto Rico situation is sitting right in front of us. And of course, he's not going to say anything about the Bahamas. I mean, he's not, he's not going to say anything about the Bahamas, but it is good to see the corporate uh, actors. We did see American Airlines. We mm-hmm. saw Royal Caribbean step up. Uh, we saw a guy walk into a Costco in Jacksonville, Florida, and buy 100 generators to the tune of $50,000. I mean, so that was, that was an amazing story. Mm-hmm. But you know, at the end of the day, obviously, the, the governments have the scale. Our government has the scale. Apparently, uh, the Bahamas does have a partnership with the Rhode Island National Guard, which I knew nothing oh, about. I didn't know about that. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. know anything about that. but So they, they they flew some planes in, I think it was today actually, mm-hmm. to help. But it would be nice if the President of the United States showed some leadership. It shouldn't all just be the UN. Yeah. I mean, The Bahamas is right there. Obviously, it's a. a a tourist attraction for many Americans and obviously many people around the world. So he could use his bully pulpit in a sophisticated way to help other people, but that's just not what Donald Trump does. It's not yeah. something I would come to expect. So it's not a surprise.
4: Absolutely. I mean, he'd have to be a sophisticated person to use his bully right. bull pulpit in a sophisticated way. Exactly. Uh, so, Eugene, in terms of your president, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I'm try- I, I'm really kind of sort of grasp what we should. you know. <laughs> Obviously, we're not going to expect much from him, but I'm thinking about this situation, particularly in the context of what we know happened to Puerto Rico, which actually is a U.S. territory. And even today, he's talking about taking millions of dollars away that was supposed to be used towards rebuilding Puerto Rico that still needs rebuilding and instead diverting it for this wall project that he seems to be fixated on. I mean, at at what point will we be able to find some adult throughout his administration that hopefully will be able to give people the help that they need, especially in moments of crisis?
8: Well, this is a, a couple things here. Uh, the first is this, um, the United States plays a special role in the region in the world. One of those special roles is making sure that uh, our trade lanes and our trade relationships are, are well maintained and protected. Um, you know, the Bahamas does not have the capacity to, to, to truly handle this by themselves. Um, The American government needs to deploy an aircraft carrier that can serve as a temporary airport to deploy supplies to the island if it has not been done already. That's the first thing. Uh, Secondly, um, you know, the way that, you know, the president is now shifting funds from DOD, from DHS to, you know, deal with his wall, his vanity project is absolutely atrocious um you know the, you have there's a report today of a, a school and a military base down there fort hood that's not going to get built uh because the funds for it was taken and thrown towards the wall mm-hmm. uh, what i think would be really, really interesting is to see how the president and uh, the white house responds to the the tragedy is now taking place in south carolina north carolina maybe virginia depending on which way this uh, storm goes uh which are you know states that he absolutely needs uh, to, to win in 2020
4: absolutely so we're hoping that at some point uh when we have some leadership that we'll be able to count on in the future to be able to step up to the plate but in the meantime where there is help that was coming in, we'll, we'll appreciate it any way that it comes. Absolutely. And so turning our attention to the next story, the controversy over Jay-Z and Rock Nation's deal with the NFL continues. The Crushers Club is one of two groups working with at-risk children uh, in Chicago that received part of $400,000 in donations from Rock Nation and the NFL as part of their previously announced Inspire Change initiative. But the organization came under scrutiny recently when on social media, posts like this showed up. This is Crusher's Club's president, Sally Hazelgrove, cutting a young man's dreads off. They are also known for encouraging the phrase, all lives matter. I guess all hair doesn't matter, but to them, all lives matter and more. Uh, Are there organizations that are better suited for this kind of donation? Let's go to the panel and talk about this. I don't know about you guys, but I was absolutely furious when (laughs) I saw that. Uh, I have, obviously I have locks. I've had locks for over 20 years now and um it is a not only a physical thing to me so i saw that frankly as an assault on those young men um, but it's a spiritual thing to me right and it's something that she had no clue about of course the, the depth <laughs> and the significance of it a complete disrespect to us as a people to mm-hmm. say that you cannot um be someone who achieves uh significantly if you maintain your hair as it grows out of your head. <laughs> right. Yet, here she is with a, you know, a, 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 you know helmet head and her hair apparently is fine, okay? <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's, it's very interesting to me. What are, what are your thoughts about this particular controversy, yet another to come out of this interesting and controversial Jay-Z NFL collaboration?
7: Yeah, um, I am not an expert on the Crushes Club, but obviously a picture is a thousand words, right? <laughs> um I think obviously another sort of another moment of uh, how hard it is for a minority group to assimilate in a country uh, particularly with our history over 400 years. I mean, it would be nice if JC had some political advisors maybe. I th- I'm sure he does. I'm sure he talks to people. I'm sure he I think the only people he talks to are his accountants, apparently. Well, I mean, and again, I'm I'm sure he's not a dumb guy at all. And that's what kind of makes it even harder. Because if if you're dealing with somebody stupid, then you would just be like, okay, he's stupid. (laughs) That's what this is. Right. But Jay-Z is not a dumb guy. And so this is, you know, disappointing on a lot of levels. Uh, The fact that he has not uh, stepped up after everything that happened a few weeks ago and sort of maybe just took the edge off things in terms of just saying something about Colin Kaepernick's efforts. I mean, Colin Kaepernick paid effectively with his career absolutely uh you know to use roland's turn he he was white balled (laughs) right and we all know it right in front of everybody's face right uh this is not the type of thing that we need to wait 40 and 50 years to figure out as we did with muhammad ali and you know we did with jack johnson and so many other athletes who put you know uh their their politics and their personal beliefs before making the money and being popular right so we know right now in real time what Colin Kaepernick had to sacrifice. Right. So it shouldn't. It's not hard to figure out. Right. You know, we're we're an information society. So this is not a good thing. And right. hopefully, Jay Z will. I have confidence that Jay Z will figure it out and and make a turn. Really? His wife will nudge him. Yeah, I, I do. I know he signed a contract. I know all that. But I also know that. Somebody will get in his ear, I think, at some point. What do you think? Do you, well, you have the, confidence The only too? reason
6: that Jay-Z did this was because he had to respond to a lot of black Twitter. This was essentially a PR stunt. <laughs> so he chose a city that... And I'm a native Chicago and I'm very familiar with this organization. He chose a city that already has a large amount of disadvantaged youth, disengaged youth, a large amount of African-American males that will not see a high school graduation, much less college. Mm-hmm. and. Coming off of, in the previous years, we had three years without a state budget, and a lot of those community organizations that serve those youth that are in turmoil had to face shutting down. And these were a lot of the black-run organizations. This organization was well-known for what it did to black youth, in the same way that a lot of the charter schools in the city are very known for what they do to black youth. It is destined assimilation. They tell you how you can wear your hair. They tell you what clothes you can wear. They try to change your vernacular. All of these things designed to shape you into what they feel is going to help you become successful. It has nothing to do with academics. It has nothing to do with your actual progress. It has everything to do with them erasing your culture and who you are. And I think that when you have an organization like this, it is important to call it out. I'm upset that just now it's getting a national resignation because this organization has been doing this for years and receiving a ton of funding at the federal level at the state level and at the local level to basically take young black males and turn them into something else and tell them that what they look like, how they walk and how they talk is wrong. Mm -hmm. And for Jay-Z, someone who is from Bed-Stuy, someone who has represented black people for a very long time, someone who a lot of these young people actually look up to, to decide that this is the organization he wants to support. And I'll give it to you. I think that Jay-Z is a very smart man. Now, did he handpick this organization? Probably not. There was probably somebody along that line who did. But there should, be something, there should be something from him right now. He should be out responding to this yeah. immediately. Yeah. I'm frustrated that he is not.
4: Yeah, that, that is interesting. Yeah. Don't you think, Eugene? I mean, all of a sudden, he's MIA. He had a lot to <laughs> right. say. He had a lot to say when he had this very well-crafted press conference where he's talking about, you know, we're done with kneeling, as if he could speak on behalf of the entire black community, right? But now, all of a sudden, when these controversies are happening, and particularly this one, which I, which a number of people are finding, especially egregious, you cannot find him anywhere. Where is Jay-Z? And also, what do you think can be done to correct course here? I don't, I don't really think that he can correct course here unless he comes out and somehow undoes what he did to basically stab Colin Kaepernick in the back.
8: Y'all give me Slater and Hov. I'm trying to get a title deal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I so, see so a, a couple things here. I see a couple things here. Um, I'm almost 100 sure he didn't handpick the organization, right? Absolutely. Um, I'm also also on the other end of it. Um, his efforts don't start with the funding of this. Uh, well, the I guess grant that this organization received, and it doesn't end there. Um, you know, the broader effort that's going on with reform um you know goes well beyond what anything this or particular organization can do um i mean we're, we're all involved in the orgs and we all understand to a degree how you know organization funding works it's all a relationship and so somebody in this organization you know had probably an end with somebody either on the nfl side or you know one of the organizations that jay-z is aff- affiliated with and uh and was able to grab funding here to potentially try to solve a problem um I mean, we've all dealt with principals at, at a very high level. Um, also, times, a lot of things are delegated. And, but at the end of the day, you know, the blow-up typically blows up in the face of the principal. Uh, I mean, you know, Jay-Z literally currently wears his hair near free. So, um, you know, it's, 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 I think he probably has to address it at this point because of, of the uh, stir-up that it's caused. Um, but I agree with Amisha. It is a response to black Twitter. You know, who sometimes can have a larger voice than they probably should, Um, and and you know, I think it's probably one of those things where we probably just sit back and watch of you know, take one a holistic view of what's going on, but two, you know, see where the actual hard uh, efforts are going. You know, and and I and I would direct folks' attention to reform. Um, more so than, you know, what this particular organization does.
4: Well, that's the question, and, and that's the big question. What the hell is the... Where's the reform? Where, where's the beef, Jay-Z? I mean, I, I don't see it here. And, and what's interesting to me is that, you know, he came out... Honestly, I'm seeing a lot of inconsistencies because he came out with the with the press conference right. uh, saying that there's going to be reform. Right. Then, after that wasn't received well, there was some leak about him having part ownership in the team, which all of a sudden has evaporated, right? <laughs> Apparently, that was right. a lie. Right. Okay, where's Maury Povich when you right. need him, right? Because I believe if that was the case, they would have announced right. that at the actual press conference. Right. That would have made sense. Yeah. And now this comes out, and I agree. I'm sure he didn't handpick, but, but, right. but this tells me that there was no honest... <laughs> attempt to really be involved in creating social change. It was about him creating a a, 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 a a partnership with the NFL for his own benefit. David
7: Chappelle was right when he said a long time ago, we need to stop looking at these celebrities as the thing that's going to correct stuff. I I believe that. I mean, this is a smarter celebrity. Jay-Z is a smarter celebrity, in my view, than most. But at the end of the day, He's a really good rapper. He's a really good lyricist. He's a really good rhythm guy. And he's not the best, but he's all right. Political scientist. (laughs) But he's the (laughs) same. He's
6: he's the same Jay Z who blamed a lot of the community violence and a lot of the disengaged youth on black fathers not being at home. Oh God. So I'm sorry. Like I'm not giving Jay Z a pass here.
7: Yeah, I'm giving him not a pass. Because that's ignorant, and it's also something that is a Republican
6: talking point. He's making a deal
7: with a bunch of businessmen in the NFL. They want him to sit there as a black person to be their person of of color that. They're sitting next to a press conference. Absolutely. That's his role in that moment, whether he recognizes it or not. So I'm not looking for Jay-Z to be the person in this moment oh, that absolutely is the not. guy that figures this out. They're not absolutely making a deal with Reverend Barber, right? If they making a Reverend Barber, then I'd say, okay, then this is the, this is the place. I think he fully right. recognizes it. I think we're not giving Jay-Z well, enough
6: credit. I think he's a brilliant man. He recognizes it, and his pockets are getting full. Absolutely.
7: He, he recognizes the, the business to deal, but we're the, the looking for Jesus.
4: more than that. And well, we should be. Well, the thing is, you know, Jay-Z said it himself. He says, I'm I'm not a businessman. I'm a business. Man, right? That's right. what so, he so, said, and so, he so, is so under, that, that is his—that is his priority with this. It's not about doing anything to advance the cause and he was well, perfectly was fine with throwing Colin under the bus. Well, where's the beef <laughs> then, where's, where's Eugene? The, yeah. So, where's so the, the thing beef?
8: Is this. The thing is this, reform, organization reform, $50 million funded, uh largely money pulled, you know, personally by Jay-Z and other folks. They're currently bailing people out of jail. They're currently That's you know, not the NFL, the that Eugene. At. That
4: They're, that existed prior. I'm I'm not talking about that. I mean, it's very good that you brought that in, but that is completely irrelevant to this conversation. We're talking about the specific the specific deal that he made with NFL with the NFL in order to undercut the movement that Colin Kaepernick started and in order to justify I mean, I mean, in mean, order to justify I'm their whiteballing of, of Colin Kaepernick. Of where, where, where is the social justice action specifically in relation to his connection with the NFL?
8: A very big part of that deal provides a funding mechanism for organizations to actually go out and get, and be effective with what they're doing. Right,
4: organizations like this that cut off cut off people's huge, hair, and maybe organizations part. that blame black women for raising children. Are those are those the types of organizations they're going to continue to select? Absolutely not. Well, I mean, I, look, look. We're, if, we're, if, we're, if we're
8: taking if, 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 we're, if we're taking a full holistic view of this, right? Yeah. You're looking at, you're taking a full holistic view of this, you're looking at somebody just just had an organization funded to the tune of $50 million with Van Jones at the head of it. Oh, Van Jones that at the makes head me feel it. a lot better. We're looking at, we're, 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 we're dragging somebody over, over a mistake that we probably can't even actually attribute to them. You know, in regards uh, to Colin Kaepernick, if Hov said there was a conversation with Colin, I'll probably side of hope to say that it probably was a conversation with Colin. Yeah. But if we're keeping it 100 here, you know, Colin Kaepernick probably needs to come out and say something himself. I've been riding for him for <laughs> a couple years now. You know, look, he got his cash and did what he did. Eric Reid got his cash and did what he did. Excuse you me. Know, and, and, is is and he not supposed to? The, and the ball is still moving forward. What? Nobody said that, look, you know, there's one singular way to address this issue or there's say... one singular path or that Colin Kaepernick is the end all be all on it.
4: Let me let me just say this, Eugene. Good luck with getting your title deal. But I but I will also say, because you're doing a great job for it right now. I hope they really compensate you well. Mm -hmm. But let me let me just also say here, was is Colin Kaepernick supposed to take a vow of poverty once he has been once he has? Let me finish. Once you have a group of owners colluding, not to hire him anymore. Are we supposed to say that he's not supposed to make money any other way once you have seen that his main employers have colluded to not hire him anymore? I don't think that's the argument you're making, is it?
8: No, it's not the argument that I'm making. But the argument that I am making is, look, when Colin Kaepernick took a settlement in that particular case, which we all you know, supported him from day one... That kinda closed the chapter, the page the page on that chapter. I said, Okay, what's the next steps forward here? Next step forward needs to need to look like second step back. Reforms, you know, more black DAs, more black states attorneys, which a lot which a lot of things are coming out of the reform organization. We're or entitled reform. Right. Um, but there are a lot of things that they're supporting. What I'm saying is this, look, you know there's an attempt to drag Jay-Z over a misstep or two and ignore <laughs> the broader, uh, the, broader uh, the broader scope of things that he's done. I mean, look, he was when, when Freddie Gray happened. You know, he put up cash to get folk bailed out when when, when, when judges were trying to okay. hit people with half a million dollar bail for breaking breaking cop car windows. Once when again, Ferguson. I'm, okay. Happened, he funded a lot of the folk getting bailed out. So it's not, you know, I, it, it's, it's, you know, one more time. I think this is something that's been largely blown up out of proportion in regards to the full scope of things.
0: Okay, I, I can't think we're having
4: somebody... Eugene, thanks, you we
0: know, gotta five, bring in the
8: rest of the
4: panel.
8: ...legacy of work okay. and then take one blip on the timeline and, and, and drag them and, and disregard the whole everything you said they're done. Is it just me or are we complaining
4: Ooh. issues? You should, yeah,
7: well, because, yeah, you should get a check after that defense. You should get a check after that. That's his PR flack. I mean, give me a break, man. Right. Sally Hazelgrove, who's cutting the hair, has already apologized. Jay Z has said nothing. You know what? Eugene, you just said more than Jay Z. Right? <laughs> Why is that? Why can't the great communicator with all those albums, with all that rapping, now all of a sudden can't say anything about what's going on with Kaepernick and this thing with the haircutting? Like, why is he suddenly silent? I mean, even if he just does it through his publicist, say something. Right, right. But you can't say nothing, not in this world of communications we live in.
6: Absolutely. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. I I felt that he should have said something immediately. Um, We know that he didn't handpick these organizations, but there's something to be said about every single one in the city that was chosen Mm -hmm. being white-lit. Every Whoa. single one having a very similar agenda. So I'm sorry. Again, as a native Chicagoan, I took offense to it. We have several organizations in the city that are working very hard to help young black men and black women that did, they could use the help that didn't get anything. So I don't know how they went about choosing these, but there is a real gripe that people should have because if you're someone who has the mantle that Jay-Z does, you should be a little bit more intuitive and the people who you decide to give money to or who your organization decides to give money to, if you're the NFL... Should You should be more intuitive about where this ends up going. What Jay-Z did was essentially help to close a chapter on a lot of the abuses that we've seen in the NFL organization, specifically as it came to them basically shutting the door on anything that had to do with people protesting police brutality, which is a fundamental right.
7: You know, now that I think about it, Whether he knew or vetted them or did not vet them does not matter to me. (laughs) Because now now everybody knows there's a problem. Right. So you could comment anyway, (laughs) right? It's like, where is he? (laughs) Like, in this moment, like, where is he? Where are you? You gotta Jay-Z? manage a project. You know. Where
4: are you, Jay Z? <laughs> Someplace. <laughs> I, I don't. Somewhere. And Lord, tweet, please, tweet, please, Jay-Z. just. All I'm asking
7: is, just tweet. don't bring the Beyonce
4: down with you. Okay, that's my only help. <laughs> that's my only hope. Because I want to be able to go to her <laughs> concerts in the future. All right. And another hair. And <laughs> another hair-related story. A former Edmund Santa Fe High School basketball player is charging his former coach with racism. Tyler Williams told his parents when he first met coach Jim Boone, the first thing the coach told him was he didn't like his hair and he wouldn't recruit other players with hair like his. Williams decided to record his conversation with the coach to prove his case. Here's an excerpt from that conversation.
2: All right, well, appreciate you meeting with us today. Oh, I'm glad you came in. Yeah. Glad yeah. you came in. Awesome. So, awesome.
9: Yeah. Yeah, Cause I wanted to talk to you about something. From, like, the first meeting that we had, remember that? When you first got this job? Yeah.
0: When you
9: came here, you had talked about my hair like you're not liking it and, like, you not, like, want to recruit nobody with locks like mine. No, it's
0: not that we don't recruit them, but we make it very clear that once they get in here, they're not going to have their hair that way. I told you, though, because you were here before me, I didn't think it was fair for me to tell you that you needed to cut your hair and that I was going to...
9: But you yeah, but that's
3: kind of like basically saying like you're not gonna bring nobody in. We're like mine.
0: Uh, probably not.
3: That's kind of like to me. That that's a racist comment. Well,
9: it's cause not I'm meant just to be supporting my cultural like dreadlocks.
8: Mm-hmm. Well, it's
9: not meant to be that way. And if you had that issue at that time, you should have brought that up at that time. Yeah, I, I had that issue, but I, you know, I let it slide. You know, cause I was the first like maybe. He, I had thoughts that you was racist at one point because you didn't like my hair and you're not bringing nobody in with your lot. That just kind of... It's not about race. It's about
8: hair.
9: <laughs>
4: <laughs> it's not about race. Uh, Williams will be, se- will be a senior suiting up for Southern Nazarene University in Bethany this season. But he was set to play his second season at the University of Arkansas Fort Smith as recently as August 16th. That was until Williams was dismissed from the team that same day by head coach Jim Boone. All right, so Life Lux Jazz is the experience of a lifetime delivering top notch music in an upscale destination. This weekend-long event is held at the Omnia Day Club Los Copos, which is nestled on the Sea of Cortez in the Celebrity Playground of Los Copos, Mexico. The Life LifeLux Jazz Experience offers the ultimate gateway for discerning jazz aficionados by pairing an upscale international destination with luxury accommodations fine haute cuisine, top-shelf libations, breathtaking golf, exhilarating spa, health and wellness options, and much more, while showcasing some of the biggest names in entertainment. The second annual Life Lux Jazz Experience continues to build upon its success and heritage with jazzing around Los Cobos, a celebrity expansion of, accomplishment, of accomplishing its goal of sharing all the finest the destination has to offer, including daytime excursions and mini-concerts including The Spirit of Jazz Gospel Brunch and Jazz Sunset Cruise. Confirmed guests are comedian-actor Mark Curry with Gerald Albright, Alex Bugman, Paul Middon, Incognito, Pieces of a Dream, Kirk Whalem, Average White Band, Donnie McClurkin, Sheila, Roy Ayers, Tom Brown, Ronnie Laws, and Ernest Quarles. For more information, visit the website lifeluxjazz.com. All righty. So, sounds like fun, doesn't it? All right, so Bitmari, the leading Pan-African blockchain company in partnership with BitHub Africa, will host its second annual Black Blockchain Summit from September 9th to 10th in Washington, D.C. at Howard University. The theme for this year's summit is reparations and revolutions. The conversations will be held around the role of blockchain technology in building economic independence and manifest wealth creation. Here to talk about that is Bitmari co-founder Sinclair Skinner. How you doing, Sinclair?
2: Great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh,
4: great to have you here. So tell me about what's going on at Howard.
2: All right. Awesome. So on Monday, uh, we start at 8 o'clock uh howard university uh the address i think is 2201 georgia avenue we have uh the au chairperson coming we have uh members of congress talking about issues related to our community and we also have technologists coming in who have backgrounds in uh, blockchain technology bitcoin how do we use technology to, to make the changes instead of waiting for 2020 for elections to happen, how can we empower ourselves using technology to take control of our own lives? So that's the the context of the the (laughs) event. And we have economists talking about it, as well as technologists on how we can use this this, uh, technology called blockchain to allow us to uh, hopefully change some of these issues.
4: So can you give us like a quick sort of one-on-one on exactly what this is? What is blockchain? What is Bitcoin? And how can we use it as a community to help ourselves?
2: all right so it's a it's a technology a blockchain literally means blocks of data that are connected together okay and these blocks of data just like when we take pictures pictures are like data mm-hmm. that's why we can send it if you don't like it when there was a time you had to take a picture and get it developed it at the you know corner store wait and see if your eyes would close those out we no longer use that we now have data that can be transferred saved well in blockchain is encrypted data that data can't be counterfeited it, would make a, it wouldn't make a good exchange of value to use your pictures. Why? Because they can be copied. Mm-hmm. So then you, know, you would know, OK, do you have it? Or, but with this data is encrypted. And if you possess it, no one else can duplicate it. So now if I want to convey an uh, exchange of value, I have this data that's encrypted that no one can counterfeit, and I'd exchange it with you. So I'll say, I'll give you this amount of data if you give me this in return. That's what Bitcoin is. It's really just people. It's just data that's being created, that's encrypted, to allow us to do exchanges. But also, in those blocks, you can save any other type of information. So when it relates to, like, one of our panels is uh, 40 Acres and a Mule, Mm -hmm. talking about land and how do we control land. Well, in this same data, you can actually have, like, you know, land rights. You could actually have a deed of property. So that if somebody ever tried to undermine you, like the government, there's a place where you can store it safely that's not controlled by the government. So right now, what we see is this, these technologies come out, but we as a community aren't involved early on. We mm-hmm. become big users at the end, make these folks super rich, but we're not the ones orientating this information. Just as much as we think about like, you know, I went to Howard University in Tuskegee, but at Howard, you couldn't get a, a, a taxi to come pick you up. Right. You had to go walk down, you know, towards U Street or what have you to get a cab. We thought in the engineering school that it was a political science problem. But when they came out with these rideshare applications, in many ways, it made a lot of that racism obsolete, let me mm-hmm. say it another way. We thought it was going to be, you know, go to the Taxi Commission to stop them from not picking us up, but here comes a, a uh, technical uh, application using GPS and other technology that now gives people more flexibility and their choices to get picked up for for the transportation. Well. They didn't do that to to take away the humiliation we were receiving by not being picked up. These were folks in technology that sought an opportunity. We're saying that if we start at the beginning of these technologies, even though blockchain is still super early, less than really 10 years old, if we're there, we can actually leverage these technologies to help our community. Mm -hmm. Electricity was a technology. A lot of people were used to using oil lamps and said that electricity was too scary and it never worked. Well, electricity worked out. Mm-hmm. Same thing with people horse and buggies. They say the car, the, the, the horseless carriage would never work. It's crazy. You couldn't get gas <laughs> anywhere. Well, now, you know, a little over 100 years later, iPhone is only 12 years old. So, so much of what we think is going to be the way it is, it changes so fast. Mm-hmm. So, if we really still think, uh, in the case of Bitcoin, that people are going to pull out paper money or use credit cards with that cassette. Remember the cassette player with the little strip? Oh, yeah. The back of the credit card, that brown is the same. The same. That technology is like from the 40s. Wow. So so to think that we're still going to use those means So when we start talking about our community And where we want to take it We need to also have a context of how Technology can be used to help us get there and you know, one of the things we started off in with our company was allowing people to send money to Zimbabwe, and, and may uh, Mugabe rest in peace. You know, and that's a big issue, mm-hmm. sending money in our community. Right. In black communities right now, they charge us more for our money. Right. Well, that's not because the technology is not there, it's because they have a predatorial business model. Right. Well, we can change that, of course, with policy changes, but we also can empower ourselves to use technologies that allow us to make those changes.
4: I love it. Lauren, did you have any questions? I see you taking copious
7: notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tend to do that. So, you know, obviously we got Cash App and we got all these PayPal. We have all these payment apps, these new payment apps. So why would blockchain be better? I'm talking, you know, in money transferring. Why would a new technology or Bitcoin be better than what we see in like the basic technology that that typically is around paper money?
2: Well I I've heard you speak out here before, so first of all, you're brilliant. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. You're Thanks. awesome and I, even this okay. last clip Thank anyway. You. Humbly. Um all those systems have a third party. And there's a concept of disintermediation disintermediarization where we take the intermediary out of the equation right. to allow peer to peer. Again, I'm an engineer. I'm not very good with this. I got, stuff, I got
7: That middleman is taking a
2: percentage. Yeah. Right. The, the middleman is not only taking a percentage; they're controlling the transaction. Mm-hmm. They actually can say, "You know what? We're closing your account." We can say they can put hurdles that now control our lot, and it's our money. Yeah. They're not adding any more value. Absolutely. The, the, the days of them with the horse and get, protecting your money with a gun—those <laughs> days are over. This is all <laughs> behind a, a cloud somewhere. So we literally are paying folks to control our money. And again, going back to reparations and revolutions, this is about self-determination. Yeah. It's not about violence. This is not about us being victims. No, we're not victims. We're taking control. Mm-hmm. There are tools out there that will empower us, to allow us to take control. So instead of waiting for PayPal to clear, allow me to mm-hmm. do this, if I have Bitcoin, just to use an example, I can do transactions anytime, 24 hours, anywhere in the world without asking for their permission to allow me to access my value. So again, mm-hmm. though the people though are who are in blockchain are mostly Asian and, and white men. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, I, I'm on a panel with, with beautiful, wonderful <laughs> sisters y'all are the ones that need to be making this we don't if we want this thing to be right mm-hmm. it's going to be more black women got to be involved Cause mm. y'all bring life y'all don't mm. this this thing we have a slogan that says satoshi is black and i brought some t-shirts <laughs> i mean <laughs>
7: the,
2: the, i'll take one so, so humbly <laughs> the 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 person who actually created bitcoin they don't even know who it is mm. so the, the the name the pseudonym they used was satoshi nakamori mm-hmm. and then so some people say well it must be somebody japanese and i said well wait a minute now, if you're trying to disguise yourself, like Dr. Seuss, really wasn't a doctor, okay? Right. His name really wasn't Dr. Seuss. So if you're trying to disguise your, uh, your your identity and you're Japanese, you wouldn't pick a Japanese pseudonym. Hello, right? okay? It probably was a sister. right? And she was able to walk away, create something that now people are benefiting all over the world, and there's different variations, it's not just uh, Bitcoin, but there's a whole Ethereum, a lot of different things out there. Mm-hmm. And we're also gonna be telling people how they can use it for wealth creation, how you can use this technology to benefit financially, and also there's scams. If any of these things, they're scams, and we want to make sure people are aware. The BlackBlockchainSummit.com. Uh, just go to the website, check us out. You want to volunteer? Come on, we, we're ready to go. It's, it's on Mondays at, and, and Tuesday. Howard University. We'll have a little reception where we uh, are um, highlighting the Congressional Black Caucus staffers because it's Black Caucus a weekend. I mm. mean, we coming up, and we want. To, there's a lot of like people who do the grunt work of, of policy making and they're celebrating their 40th anniversary, so we said we'll have like a reception, invite them out, and we have this big economist named Derek Hamilton, and he's gonna be speaking. Derek Hamilton, and his birthday's that Sunday, so we said we're gonna get a cake, so if y'all wanna come (laughs) cut some cake, Derek, we're gonna cut some cake for you, bruh, and then we're gonna make sure, you know, everyone else has some food for thought also.
4: Oh, that sounds right, And, and 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 what really resonated with me was you mentioned how other, technologies have control of your money uh i I have i'm an entrepreneur i know many of other friends who are entrepreneurs that do a lot of transactions through PayPal, for example, and if you have some sort of event or some sort of you, you actually do what you want to do, sell a lot of goods like that's unusual an unusual amount, they will hold onto your money. Uh, merchant accounts will do that; they'll hold onto your money for literally months potentially before you have access to it. So, are you saying that something like this could help to alleviate problems like that for entrepreneurs?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So you know, our company now is, has this thing called ILoveBlackPeople.com, and the whole I love black people is we're actually creating like a global black Yelp or global green book. And we're now able to connect. It could be assisted in Kampala, Uganda. It could be assisted in Chicago, United States. Now they can connect by through a platform that's and the platform is based on not just black-owned business, but black-friendly. So you could right. be in Denmark, Copenhagen, and you get sick. It's going to be hard to Google uh, non-racist doctor. Right. But there might be a Mongolian woman that all the black folks go to, and they say, man, she treats us with dignity and respect, so now you can use her. Now, how do you do those transactions? We can now, we have the technology that can link, you know, using your, your mobile phone, the internet, and now with blockchain technology, we can connect ourselves. Black people represent about 1.5 billion people. So put it in context, Europeans are about 680, 600. 600- million to by 800 million mm-hmm. we're about the size of china but we've been fragmented right we're all spread out china right, right. and you go to china you realize them ain't the same people like there's different tribes I mean, right, they might right. all speak mandarin or cantonese right. but them <laughs> some different you go one right. part to the other well black folks again we've been separated but right. we literally are very much the same people but we don't have access now we have technology that can link you that you don't have to have your money held and you can actually work with folks you want to work with and we say with this technology you know, one of the biggest issues has been racism for 500 years. We mm-hmm. have technology now that we can change that. We don't have to wait for somebody to stop being racist. We can create mm-hmm. a platform where we don't, you know, give me not in the violence, we're not going to eliminate racist, but we can actually eliminate your racist transactions by giving you a platform where you can almost like a Black Yelp verify that these folks are black friendly and, and or okay. and black owned, okay. and do your transaction mm-hmm. and give you the support for your business as well as give black customers. Which there are more black customers than black entrepreneurs. And, and when we pay, right. they're not giving us discount when they, they're racist. We're paying full price to get Absolutely. all around the store. Or if you go someplace <laughs> and they say, this, the hamburger's really good here. Well, the hamburger might be great, but if they're racist, they're not serving you on time. Right. So there's little humiliations that mm-hmm. we don't have to, you know, we got to stop normalizing. And again, I'm here with your sister. It's just like <laughs> sexism. These, We've normalized things too much. Right. We have the, we're the adults in the room now. We don't have to go for that. Even right. if we agree on, disagree on something, we don't have to go along with it. You go your way, do your thing, but I'm going to go here where the people are happy to see me.
4: Right, right. Absolutely. I love it. So remind us once again where people can get more information.
2: Okay, they can go to, I love, excuse me, uh, blackblockchainsummit.com. That's blackblockchainsummit.com. The event is on Monday. It starts at 8 o'clock in the morning. We still have, you know, availability. Come check us out. We also need volunteers. You want to, it's a good way to meet some people as well as learn a lot about what's going on. And it's going to be on Monday, uh, the ninth to Tuesday from 8 to 6 on Monday with the reception. Come check us out and he cut some cake and then on uh, Tuesday we have it from 8 to 2 o'clock so definitely appreciate the opportunity and uh, rest in peace uh, Robert Mugabe has one more shout out. Absolutely
4: <laughs> well thank you so much for joining <laughs> us
2: I learned a lot. Yeah
7: that was great.
4: <laughs> Absolutely. The music community is mourning the loss of one of its own Grammy award-winning songwriter LaShawn Daniels. Daniels, who helped write countless hits for artists like Beyonce, Whitney Houston, Jennifer Lopez, and Michael Jackson, died Tuesday as a result of injuries sustained in a car accident. Daniels was best known for his collaborations with the music producer, Dark Child, with songwriting credits on R&B classics, including Brandy and Monica's This Boy Is Mine, Lose My Breath by Destiny's Child, Telephone by Lady Gaga and Beyonce, If You Had My Love by Jennifer Lopez, And It's Not Right, But It's Okay by Whitney Houston. He also appeared with his wife April on Braxton Family Values and Tamar and Vince. He was just 41 years old. Our thoughts and prayers are with the Daniels family and all who loved him. Okay, so Tamron Hall is launching a new daytime talk show on Monday, and Roland had a chance to talk to her at the Eston's Festival in July. Here's that interview. I'm here with Tamron.
5: Gotta introduce me like that this is when you've known somebody your whole life and they just you they tell you why can't you let me be great why can't you let you know, see everybody else your family never lets you be great tamra who like Waterburger? <laughs> we're gonna boycott water if they if they change well, i shouldn't say that i'm a guy I, I, hey,
9: first of all, all okay they got look the family private equity company bought them they ain't changing they still texas born and bred
5: Roland and I are loyal Texans, and so when we got word that Waterburger was being bought by a Chicago company, and we both live in Chicago, that was a tough move. But we love Chicago, we love Texas, so hopefully they do right. They should have us in a commercial. Yeah, they should. I think they should. They should.
9: Real Texans like real hamburgers.
5: Exactly.
9: Call us, Whataburger. <laughs> call, call
5: us. We need to check. We need the bag. secure, okay, right, secure right, the right bag. Now, right,
9: we, we believe in getting paid. Let's be real damn clear.
5: Roland, let me tell you, there are many, many moments of my life where I love Roland, but you were, it was a couple of years ago and you were on social media talking about how much men get paid on the speaking circuit, especially in black churches and black events, and you were like, women should be paid, black women pay them the same money that you would pay a black man for these speeches. Roland was the only man who spoke up and said something like, because it's true. And I've had some homegirls of mine,
9: Tamika Mallory and others, and people get to me, I'm like, no, y'all gonna pay this number or don't call them.
5: You know, because it is obviously something we will point out when you look at white mainstream media and say that we are not compensated fairly, that we are not given the positions that we've earned and deserve on the screen and behind the scenes. It's harder to call out your own family, but you have to do it. And you did that that day, and it was one of those powerful rolling moves that only you, that's why you're who you are. That's why you're so important to me and and everybody else here.
9: Look, I believe in getting paid. And you getting paid, you got a new talk show. Uh, it has been, I won't say years in the making, uh, but uh, when things went sideways with NBC, you didn't trip, you didn't You didn't go all buck while you went, okay, I got something. I'm gonna take my time and just wait for it.
5: It's true, I mean, behind the scenes, I'll just, because I, I said the show is about taking off your masks and being your real self. Roland and I have real conversations. We are strategy people. Roland's like, okay, I'm gonna get this going, I'm gonna get that going, because what we both decided, you and you, I've learned this from you, we're not gonna wait around for somebody to anoint us. We're not gonna wait around for somebody to say whether we can feed our families and have the success we deserve, and so for me, it was that time. You know, I've been off air for two years. I went into meetings and I said, if I'm going to come back to TV, this is how I want to come back. I want to come back on my terms at 48 years old. I can say that. I couldn't say that in my 20s. I couldn't say that in my 30s, but you know how it feels to get to that point in your career where you say, okay, they say they want me back on TV. They say you, they want you back as Roland Martin. We're gonna bring it to them and now we want our people to support. Don't just complain when we're gone, support us when we're back. And that means the world. And they have pledged their support here at Essence Festival. You walk around the mayor of Essence Festival. (laughs) I walk around as his assistant. But nevertheless, it feels good to be around the community that says, "Okay, we were mad when you moved or changed, but we're happy that you are back. And we're going to support what both of you are bringing to the table.
9: But it also matters because, look, 40-plus percent of daytime television, black folks.
5: Absolutely. A
9: lot of black women.
5: A lot of black women, just like with the Democratic Party. Guess who makes or breaks both? Black women. And so when black women saw me taking off the show, knowing that there were great ratings, knowing that I was putting in the work, they said, we won't watch. And I said, let me tell you, I don't want some young girl in Texas, Chicago, all the places that I said, if it can happen to Tamron Hall, it can happen to me and give up because they saw me take a punch on the chin. I wanted them to see me get up and rise, just like Maya Angelou, still I rise. And that was so important to me and that's why when people say, oh, you didn't take the offer they made, well, they wanted to sideline me. And I said, they've made me an offer that I can refuse. I'm not mad, I'm not bitter, I'm gonna go and have meetings with Roland, I'm gonna go meet with Joy Reid, I'm gonna go meet with the people that support us and figure out the plan to come back. And so for me, it was very important, as it has been for you and the advice you've given me. is not get mad, don't get even, just get good, get great, get better. And that's what we've done. And
9: what we're dealing with now, a totally different landscape where it used to just be broadcast cable, that's it. Now when you talk about daytime, now you talk about streaming services, now you're talking about digital. Now the gatekeepers uh, are all, they don't control access now. And then it's kind of like when you built an audience, now you can say, no i'm gonna go do this
5: you listen roland and i had a meeting one day he whipped out his laptop look at this i got this i got that i'm like yes and it was inspiring because to your point the media landscape has changed before if an anchor certainly a black woman left tv you would never see her no, again no. be gone and be like oh what a- should be in pr oh yeah whatever happened to so and so but now you can own your identity on social media you can own your brand through youtube and that's something that you've been great at doing and I hope that I can reach where you are and that giving advice to people like we are our own businesses and that's important we are basically self-employed and that is important I just saw Master P walk by he's that's someone who taught branding to the hip-hop community in New Orleans and around the country so you've taught me a lot I am super grateful and I think it's important that what we've learned we're gonna go to NABJ together and teach the next generation of journalists that you don't have to sit in an office and beg for a contract. You don't have to sit there and have someone tell you a no and you feel like it's over. It's only over if you want it to be over. There's so many other ways to represent black culture, black community in the media and do it in a powerful way. And you're a living example of that. When does the show launch? September 9th, nationally syndicated. Go to TamronHallShow.com, put in your zip code and it'll tell you what station is carrying my show. We're also international, we're in Canada. So you and I can go to Canada and hang out with Drake.
9: Oh, I, I have a huge Canadian fan base.
5: Oh, uh, what
9: is Yo, seriously, <laughs> they, they have a thing called the Harry Jerome Awards. He was there, Jesse Owens. They had this annual awards deal, and I was the first non Canadian speaker ever. Okay. And I was like, Are y'all serious? This is like the biggest event in Canada for Afro Canadians.
5: Here's the deal Pitbull is Mr. Worldwide, not this is Mr. Worldwide. This you ain't is got, Mr. Worldwide. You ain't got no
9: sense. <laughs> All right, so when y'all see me tweeting her show, and posting clips, don't be acting a fool, okay? I ain't getting paid to do it. I believe in supporting our people uh, and backing them, and that's what's critically important.
5: I love you. Love
9: you as well, darling. And doesn't
5: he look amazing?
9: You know how we got it.
5: fashion game is okay until I get around this one. Look at
9: this. Somebody got to do it.
5: That's that's the real peacock, not NBC. (laughs) You silly
9: girl.
0: A multi-billion dollar corporation recently suggested that its employees should spend their money on video games and baseball tickets instead of joining a union. Clearly, they are not in touch with what's going on in the lives of most working families. For working people, including more than 1 million AFSCME members proudly serving their communities across the country, the union difference means so much more than games or entertainment. union difference means we have a voice on the job and a seat at the table. When we build power, negotiate together, and take collective action, unions improve public services and negotiate for livable wages, good benefits, fair treatment at work, and pay equity. The union difference means getting our bosses to say yes, even when they want to say no. It means having the power to get things done. The union difference is the difference between risk of injury and workplace safety. It's the difference between being understaffed and providing care and service we can be proud of. It can mean the difference between unfair treatment and due process. Being a union member means the difference between living in poverty and earning a living wage. The difference between the fear of being bankrupted by a medical emergency and the security of good health insurance. The difference between anxiety in your golden years and retirement with dignity. The difference between unpredictable shift scheduling and meeting your kids at the bus stop, joining them at the kitchen table, and being there for the most important moments. It all adds up to a lot more than what you can get from a video game. Unions mean power, dignity, respect, fairness. That's the union difference. That's the Ask Me difference.
3: Good to see you, Roland. <laughs> <laughs> Good to see you.
9: As absolutely, absolutely. Uh, it has now been, uh, what, uh, is it seven months? Seven months. Since you, not only did you switch churches, you, you, you left the denomination. You went denomination from the states, You went from the Methodist. Yes. You switched states. Yes. You, you go to Atlanta.
3: It's Baptist. It is the most glorified witness protection you have ever seen. I've gone underground, above ground at the same time, and it's, it's been a heck of a ride.
9: Any AME people still mad at you?
3: A whole lot of them.
9: But, but here's the thing, though. Here's what's in, what I yes. found to be interesting. And, and I've always said this, because when people say, how did you go from the Catholic church, then you left to join a Baptist church, and then you went to this non-denominational, and I said, well, first of all, I said, uh, when I read scripture, I said, disciples uh, went from town to town to town. That's right. I said, and also, we are at different stations in our lives, Right. and so there are some churches that I went to at the right time, Right. but then when I grew out of that, I could not stay there for that level of teaching because I'd already gone here. So it's like going from high school to get your undergrad, to get your master's, your Ph.D. Absolutely. And I I say, I think many of us, we are locked in to say, oh, I can't leave when, no, if you're listening, God is like, no, I need you to go.
3: Wow. Wow. And that's where it is I was. I was really wrestling when this opportunity came. Uh, I'm a third generation A.M.E. Uh, my father was presiding bishop at the AME Church. My grandfather was a bishop in the AME Church. And uh, my greatest weight was what was Dad going to say. And so I went to my father and said, uh, man, this opportunity is here. What do you think about it? He said, God didn't call you to a denomination. He called you to a people. So if that's where God is calling you, I'm with you.
9: But I think people have the same problem. Yeah. Because what happens is, and, and I've had to counsel people on this. They literally said, Roland, how did you leave this church? I said, I grew. Right. I said, I don't believe that we are designed to be at one place for our entire lives. I believe, my Angela. I think she was on Oprah when she said, I'm, uh, uh, I'm not a Christian. Because if I am a Christian, that means I've done everything I'm supposed to do. She said, I'm, I'm trying to get to be, trying to wow. get to that point. Wow! And I think in the learning process, and I, and I went through this again, you talk about the same thing, the, the Catholic church I was born and raised in, the meeting to found it was in my grandparents' living room. Wow, wow. So when I left the Catholic church, my entire family was Catholic. The meeting was in the living room. That's my grandmother serious. and grandfather joined with other families and walked door to door in our community because then what happened was you had you had to actually have 50 families, not members, families agreed to open a Catholic church. I don't know. So that. that was the hardest decision to leave what was my entire life for 25 years.
3: Amazing. Amazing.
9: But it's both. Yeah. And I think, just like a member, Preachers have to have growth as well and and get out of, no, if I am here to serve people, it doesn't matter where I'm going to serve people.
3: You don't even know how liberating that is. I'm amazed these last six months how many preachers have come to me and say, you freed me because I was beginning to feel like ministry was a sentence. Uh, Because we have this thought in our mind, once you go to this church, you gotta stay there they put you in a wicker chair and a cassage for your anniversary and can't move anymore and what it is that you're saying is correct jesus gave the disciples the direction go it was never stay Uh, and we've got to get to a place of transition
9: now when you also talk about making that shift you also walked into yes a dire situation yes Bishop Eddie L. Long went through trials and tribulations. Yes. This massive ministry on television, international, numbers just whittled down uh, to a very small number. And so this wasn't just you moving. You you went from being the founder of a church to walking into uh, a, a fiery pit, if you will. Yes. And then people challenging you on your own trials and tribulations so you 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 walking in with a whole lot of stuff on your back and then people saying you got to save all of this
3: yeah it it was uh the greatest challenge of my life jill nelson wrote a book years ago called volunteer slavery Mm -hmm. so i wasn't tricked into it (laughs) i knew exactly what it was but here's what's amazing the church is uh the largest land-owning black church in america 280 acres Uh, Sanctuary, almost 10,000 people. Bishop Long, at his height, was doing three services a weekend—two on Sunday, one on Saturday—and it went down to 1,500 people. One service, the other two canceled. But that core group was so strong, many people thought it would foreclose, they would lose the building. That 1,500 people never missed a mortgage payment. 1,500 people kept the lights on. So the, the remnant that remained was so committed to the vision, they said, we're here. We're too vested in it to let it slip away. And so I'm, I'm still in awe as how it is that they were able to save it last year, 2,378 churches foreclosed with a pastor. And <laughs> yet yeah, this church was able to maintain without one, It's just the grace of God. Well, which
9: also says that the church is about the body, not the one individual leading. And I think that's also what a lot of people lose sight of.
3: Yeah, they are spiritually mature uh, at a place I couldn't imagine. One of uh, the things we were talking about before recording is the shift um, that I've had to make psychologically from a founder uh, to uh, a successor. And what I discovered in Baltimore, 76% of my members, I was their first pastor. Mm. At this church, they had a different level of spiritual maturity, of understanding the Word of God, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. So it was not introduction. They were like, come on with it. Right, <laughs> That's right. where you are. Let's roll. Uh, and so I had to recalibrate what my thinking is. In these six months, everything I've asked them to do it has been at my own peril that I underestimated the strength of them while fractured. Mm-hmm. I said one Sunday morning, we're going to raise five thousand dollars for Bennett College. That 5,000 grew into 22,000. We got behind that whole movement. It ended up mushrooming outside of our church, of course, to nine million. Yep. I said, we're going to raise5 50000 dollars to bail young men out of jail over Easter weekend. That 50,000 went to 110,000. I said, we're going to do 20,000 food package for Kenya 4th of July weekend. You we to put together 50. We could pull together 50,000. So, so,
9: so what they're saying is, you think small.
3: There, there it is. I look like a grasshopper in my own eyes. <laughs> and so I've had to recalibrate what this new reality looks like.
9: Well, so let me go back to the point about spiritual maturity. Yes. Um, I remember having a conversation with Pastor Ralph West and we were discussing uh, a, a church I was looking at and when I told him that this preacher was a very strong preacher but he didn't do his Bible study West said oh that's the worst thing in the world he said the preacher that outsources his Bible study will not have a spiritually mature congregation. Wow. He said, because. Wow. He said, the spiritual maturity of the congregation means that you have taught them giving, which is what you're just talking about. Right. He said, so I don't have to stand there and beg and spend 15 minutes on offering. He wow. said, because they're spiritually mature. When I go to First Baptist Glen Arden, Literally, their their offering part is sort of so like, all right, it's time to offer. Boom. There is not a lot of time spent on that right. because they because the teaching and the training has resulted in a people who say, no, we know we're supposed to do. Right. And you, as versus, you're up there killing yourself yes. trying to sweat, hoop, right. sing, dance, and hop to get them excited. Right. Th- that also, I think that's also important because the congregation is telling you, we need you, your preaching now has to go to another level because we've been taught, we operating at PhD level.
3: Absolutely, it has stretched me at a capacity. We're like, oh, no, you ain't singing no jingle. I need you to give us the full verse. Now, it ain't no phrases. Come on with it. Right. You went to Duke for a reason. We, we need my, to know my, what my, it my is. My wife,
9: of course, Reverend Dr. Jackie Hill Martin, mm-hmm. it is so funny because we'll be sitting there, and she knows I take copious notes and we'll be in church, she'll look over and she's like, you ain't feeling this sermon, huh? Because it'll be, because it'll, it'll have the date, it'll have the church, it'll have the preacher, it'll have the scripture, it'll have the title of the sermon. And if it's two lines below that, you ain't said nothing. Wow. No, literally, wow. if I got two lines, you ain't, this is me. Right. <laughs> like, all right then. What time is going to be over? Right.
3: Right, (laughs) right. The other thing that was a shift for me, you've been now to both churches that I've pastored, is that this is a older congregation. Um, So my church in Baltimore was for 18 to 45-year-olds, millennials, Gen Xers, and I'm pastoring baby boomers. I called my dad the other week. I said, this is the first time in my ministry I said to one of my members, yes, ma'am. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's, it's the first time I've had to say yes sir to somebody I'm supposed to be over and so th- just what that shift is and what that represents is it ain't uh, you know the back of Jet Magazine just preaching the titles of the top 20 songs right. you gotta go into a whole nother level then you're then with Atlanta's the bastion of HBCUs and they coming from Fisk and Tuskegee and TSU and Spelman <laughs> Like, all right now. Come on, give <laughs> right. us a little something right. beyond two chains. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're,
9: yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. You, you're gonna to have to use all of that Duke, oh, yeah. House, and all the extra reads. That's right. It's like no, you can't you can't just come with with it. Right, you, you sitting there trying to mention two chains. They like uh, when he gonna get to Charles Spurgeon?
3: There it is. There it is. When he gonna get the Dietrich Bonhoeffer? There it is. <laughs> yes, I'm like okay. Say it for the people in the back. <laughs> Yeah, so it's really been amazing because since I've been there, there's a whole flush of young people and young adults who haven't been there. My new members director said, Pastor, you're going to have to do a reorientation because we don't know how to process these people. We have processed people with church experience. There you go. We don't know how to process those who uh, smell like weed. But,
9: but which, which we, is, which to me is yes. the which to now I go, which is the problem, because how you think you are gonna grow, yes. and that's who you supposed to be
3: reaching, Absolutely. the unchurched. Yes, if it's gonna be a church and not a country club, is you gotta look for people who don't look like you, and that's what we're really doing because Atlanta has moved in such a way that the crux of the church no longer lived in Lithonia. Mm -hmm. They they were coming in from Vining's and Sandy Springs and Buckhead. Uh, But now we're really evangelizing that community and it's making a world of difference. Now, let's
9: talk about that because we talk about evangelizing. I have challenged, and I love how I do this too because all these preachers look at me and they're like, hold up, you ain't no preacher. I'm like, uh, "He is." I said, no, I This is a a
3: runaway preacher, I'm telling you all. Meet Deacon Roland Martin. No, no, no.
9: This, (laughs) this, this, This is what I tell them. Because I've had more people come up to me, they're like, oh, I had this brother's like, "Uh, you got the mark, you got the mark, you need to be preaching. I said, no, no, no. I said, let me explain to you what God told me. I said, God told me I got enough preachers. My grandfather was not a preacher. My grandfather, first of all, had all the spiritual gifts. He had healing. He had the prophetic. Wow. um, All of that. So I experienced that. He passed away, I think, when I was 15. So I experienced all of that. Knew the word Catholic, right? Knew the word backwards and forwards. This is what I told them. I said, I said, God specifically told me, He said, No, no, I got enough preachers. He said, Rolling in five minutes of radio, you talk to more people, wow, than most preachers will preach to in their lifetime. Period. He said, So I need you where you are.
3: You in the one percent.
9: So when I'm on television, when I'm on radio, when I'm on social media and I'm talking about issues of faith, and I'm speaking to those, I- I'm bringing all of that. I am reaching folks that a pastor would be jealous of, and, yeah. and, get, and trying to get them to understand, uh, because, and I didn't realize this, somebody reminded me, somebody said, Roland, you the one who turned uh, Jamal on the Periscope. It was something like that. Somebody told me. Yeah. And let me just show y'all understand yeah. how I roll with technology. Yeah. So he gets to Atlanta.
3: That's right. That's Just
9: right. let yeah. y'all know. He gets to Atlanta, and I'm sitting here. I'm online, and I'm I'm like, I'm looking at the New Birth Periscope feed. No, that ain't the Periscope feed. I'm looking at their Facebook page. Right. And I hop, hop over over the YouTube channel. Nothing's on there. Nothing's on their Periscope feed. Nothing's on his feed. I say, yo, um. You know you got more people who follow you on Periscope, Facebook, and YouTube than the church does. I said, you need to go get this program, you which did. will send y'all stream yes. to all six platforms. So now it's not just New Birth, it's also going to yours right. as well. Now y'all, he in the pulpit. Yes. Cause
3: I'm watching. Right. I'm the, I said, these numbers are too low. <laughs> he did. So for <laughs> New Birth, we owe this man. <laughs> he has turned around our media department. <laughs> And before he is wise enough to ask for, we owe him a check, but I'm just gonna say thank you. They
9: had some they had yeah. some graphics. I was like, you some tired graphics. Uh you need to go to this company. Because again, for me, I'm i I, I understand technology. Yeah.
3: yeah, you do. And technology is so critical and valuable, and a lot of ministers because they are not using technology. The reality is if you are not technologically savvy. Your church is gonna be extinct in the next five years. It's, it's the reality. When I
9: was there that Sunday, uh, when I visited, uh, I was in town June 23rd or so. Uh, you like, look, y'all watching, Cash App. <laughs> right,
3: you like, right.
9: like, I'm sorry, these are, the, these are what people are using out there.
3: A third of our giving is now online giving. Mm. A third of it. So I told them, listen, you know, if there's a half an inch of snow, Atlanta shut down. Right said, don't worry about it. If y'all will drop at my house a Roland Martin package, if I, <laughs> I can turn all of this on, it don't matter what it is. We can just keep the ball that's the rolling. Point. And, that, and yeah.
9: that's, the, that's the thing, man. Because, see, I'm, the reason this, this, this is so personal to me because what the black church is dealing with, for me, is what black media is dealing with. Wow. Black media is literally doing it. Black media is dying like the black church is because they refuse to embrace... Technology, the Chicago Defender this uh, this week printed their last printed edition. People have been calling that. me and get my, BBC called me to get my comment on it. And they were like, it's so sad. I said, no, it should have five years ago. They're like, wow. what? They said, I said, I'm sorry, y'all. I said, I took over the Chicago Defender in 2004. Had not been a profit in 20 years. I said, I launched the first black news source audio podcast in 2005. Wow. First black video podcast. In 2006, wow. The owners, the owners, were thinking like a lot of board of trustees of churches. They said, "We just want to remain a small community paper." I said, "I got to go," because I understood this historic paper could actually be a national and international brand, and to build. I said, "No, I said I can't. I said I can't do small like y'all." I left, and that was the same thing. And so they, they literally are doing things today that I had implemented 15 years ago. So imagine where they would be in 2019 had they listened in 5, and six. To me, I just think the black church is the same way. That's where the
3: the Baltimore Afro-American newspaper is going in the same way. They have a million followers now on Facebook, but nowhere near that in circulation. But they're expending all of their energy trying to handle the circulation part when the whole trend is shifted in another direction. Right.
9: And I think when we talk about, I'm gonna go back to spiritual maturity, when you talk about also how do you outreach. I like I said, I ticked some pastors off when I said, when the last time y'all um, created a one mile radius around your church and then had your miss tell your members we going door to door. It looked at me like I was crazy. I said, I said I'm sorry. Last time I checked that's also biblical. Right. I said it's called a census. Right. I said because we were talking about education, and I was talking about freedom schools, and I was saying that you have retired teachers in your congregation. I said so. Imagine if you said we're going to go to the mile radius around our churches, uh, and then we're going to knock on the door and say, "Is there a child here, eighteen or younger? What's their grade level?" I said, and then we are offering free tutoring sessions. I said, first of all, y'all could change reading scores and math scores overnight. Literally. I said. Second is. You're gonna encounter people who likely have never even seen you and your members. I said, hmm. so the offshoot could be mama or daddy could all of a sudden decide, well, I'm gonna drop by that church on Sunday because they care enough about my child in education right. off of free tutoring. Right. They looked at me like I was out of my mind. I said, I'm sorry. I said, what did, did y'all miss the part let about me get, discipleship? Let me, let,
3: let me <laughs> echo your point for the cynics that don't understand it. Within my first month, that was the very first project we did. We collected canned food items in our church and went door to door. And what's critical, I'm saying this to the pastors because Roland's been giving this challenge. I didn't send the members, I went with them. <laughs> I went with them and knocked on the door. Said, hey, Andrew, hey this is our new pastor. I'm like, you the pastor, a new birth? Knocking on the door? Look, bruh, I got 10,000 seats I gotta fill. I got one with your name on it. And people began coming to the church simply because they couldn't believe that I would come to their door. Right. That you got to be uh, high tech and high touch, and if the ministry is not doing both of that, we're gonna miss out.
9: Right. Which is look, it's like we might be at Essence or be somewhere, and folks going, "You walk around without security." I'm like, "Yeah," because and that's why. And so even though I'm sitting up front, I purposely always go to the back and walk around. You do. And folks are like, "Why are you doing it?" I said because I'm not afraid of the people, because they also watch.
3: That's right. And I, I'm going to co-sign it. He's not saying this for public consumption. Two times at Essence, I've been around this man. It's almost like he's running for president and <laughs> running to be mayor of Essence Festival. I've seen him do it at the Image Awards. <laughs> Anything that's black, Roland Martin is a dependable voice. But
9: you've got to yeah. touch people. Yeah.
3: And you, you got an hour where you got preachers who are not connected to the people. Cause you got all these armor bearers and security that you don't even know your own dogs. I can't.
9: This is the. This is (laughs) when I say this is a hundred (laughs) percent true story. Okay, Uh, I'm at a church in Arlington, Texas. Now, mind you, I'm coming from the church without walls. Right. My wife is the former minister of education. She was like member seven hundred. Right. And was left when they had twenty thousand members, and she trained them all. Got it. We go to this church. They taught me one of the fastest-growing churches in America, all this sort of stuff. And I'm sitting there, I'm kind of like, all right, you know, nice-sized room. I ain't, I ain't saying sanctuary. I got Nice-sized room. And so I, we then say, hey, all right, we want to meet with the pastor. They said, uh, well, uh, we're going to schedule a meeting with the elders. I said, I'm sorry, uh, I can call my pastor at home or on a cell phone. I said, no disrespect. I'm not meeting with the elders. I'm joining because I want to meet with him and her. So one time we were leaving, and they were in a room. So I, I stepped into the room, and literally, if you, you're you her, she had an armor bear who was, like, doing this here. No way. And I'm talking, I'm like, why don't she move? Like, why is she? And I'm sitting there, like, finally, I'm kind of like, and my wife was watching it, like, they lost their mind. Uh, and, Literally, she is standing in between us. I'm like, does she think I'm going to attack this woman? Suffice to say, we ain't joining that church. Clearly. And, of course, it was all God, too, uh, because, see, that pastor uh, then went to prison. Oh, Because well. uh, he was a... ...to women there. But it would, but but by discernment also picked... It was all this... And this is what I said. I said, they were trying to be mega. They were trying... To 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 create this facade, right? As opposed to just focus on the word and the members. Yeah. And so they created all this distance. And I just sat there and said, I will never. I like for instance, I got I I don't. I cannot join a church if 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 there's no opportunity to even shake the pastor's hand. Wow. Because I, now, granted, you got multiple services. I get folks busy. But if, to me, just to me. If you go back into your cubby hole and you never ever even speak to your people, I use the example all the time. The woman with the blood problem would have never been able to get healed if she right. couldn't touch Jesus' right. Uh, uh, right. uh him. Right. If he was untouchable.
3: Right. And that sets a performance culture. That you coming out on the stage right. to do your thing, and then you going back in the green room. <laughs> no, that's yeah. Did you not do a mix? Like, like singers
9: and, and comedians, and everybody else. Absolutely,
3: yeah. And that, that's one of the things that I do every Sunday. I'm tired and drained. But my logic was I had three services in Baltimore, I only have one at New Birth. Right. So I can't shake to I don't have no evening service. So it's going to take me an hour to do it. I'm going to sit out there. And you create
9: the time. Yes. And also, that's relationship. That's right. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, Last thing. uh, uh, um, Last question. How do you how do you deal with people who want to continue? This is going to help somebody who's dealing. How do you deal with people who want to continue to imprison you from your past mistakes and totally ignore who you are today?
3: amazing revelation god gave me several years ago because i was wrestling with it i'll tell you this i am uh, in the process you know the
9: interview that we did for that amazing Grace special yes I, people are still I, I get the email they still see it online oh yeah and i see all the comments
3: oh yeah is eye rolling going to new birth moving from baltimore to atlanta much bigger media market as you very well know I was doing everything to get the stuff from my past scrubbed off the Internet. I said, man, I survived the Baltimore Sun. I can't deal with this. in no Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I tried two different firms, both firms. As soon as I initiated contract, right. the firms collapsed. I'm like, wow. Lord, what? So, really. I was like, Lord, you got to do something. And the Lord said to me, man, I elevated Joseph to be Secretary of Agriculture. And he never got his name exonerated from Potiphar's wife. Mm. Nowhere did he ever get his name cleared, but still got elevated. And God says, I need to see, will you trust me to bless you with a bad name? And that's really been the thing that has sustained me, is that the grace of God doesn't erase your mistakes. It blesses you in spite of your mistakes. And so I've been able to stand and navigate Not as if it didn't happen, but I am where it is that I am, quite frankly, because of what happened. And, transparently, had I not gone through the moral failures and ethical crisis, I wouldn't have been prepared for where I am. So because of what I went through, Morehouse didn't get me ready for this. (laughs) Dude, Dude didn't get me ready for this. But going through my own cycles of life helped me to prepare for where it is that I am now. Thank you, sir. I was love you. You look good, sir. Even though. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all. Absolutely.
4: So that concludes this edition of Roland Martin Unfiltered. I hope you enjoyed the show. Listen, if you like what you see here, you've got to go to RolandMartinUnfiltered.com and join the Bring the Funk fan club. We can keep doing this for as long as you support, and we have to support our own, right? So tune in again on Monday when Roland will be back with a very interesting conversation about how black women face the most online abuse than any other group. That should be a very interesting discussion, right? Until then, I'll see you. Dr. Avis. here. See you over the weekend. Bye, holla. <laughs>
0: 18 plus.